2: Good evening, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Continuing on the subject of God's wrath, uh, W-R-A-T-H, part number three. Uh, many people don't believe in the judgments of God. They don't believe in the wrath of God. They say, no, we're under grace. None of that is happening today. Well, those ideas are false. They're not biblical. You can't prove them in the Bible. But contrarily, I can prove them in the Bible that God does, oh boy, he does judge us. And we are currently under wrath today. The foundation verse is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And I'm going to use the Amplified Classic this time. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. So there's a couple of things we can take from there that we haven't seen yet. Uh, Number one. Holy wrath. Wrath is holy. What? Yes, God's wrath is holy. The devil's wrath is not holy. There's a difference. God's wrath is divine, proper, perfectly justifiable anger released on mankind for their continued rejection of him, for their sin. And also the other point, I just picked up on this now, is that men in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and they had the ability to make truth inoperative by their wickedness. Wow. And so we see that. You know, the King James Version, I think, says who suppressed the truth or who hide the truth or who oppose the truth. There's many different translations in the different verses in the 26 translations. I use, by the way, Bible Gateway. It's one of the resources that I use. It's a tremendous tool in our study of the Bible. My favorite uh, commentary is probably a Precept Austin, P-R-E-C-E-P-T, Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N. Individually, I love Dave Gusick's commentary, G-U-Z-I-C-K. Is there a C-K? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, they're all wonderful tools that God's brought across my path that really helped me study. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Probably Precept Austin. That's got like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of biblical commentators on there. It brings in a variety of different wisdom from these people, different understanding, different times, different eras. You've got Calvin in there. You've got Spurgeon in there. You've got Matthew Henry in there. You've got modern-day commentators like MacArthur and Pastor Cole and – There's Barclay in there. There's uh, so many. There's Gill. There's wurst, There, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Every time, a bell. Every time I go to look up a scripture, there'll be like 15 or 20 different people that will address it in the commentary. Just really a fabulous tool. I praise God for it every day. So if something isn't holy, remember, it's God's holy wrath. If something isn't holy, then it's profane. In the Bible, the opposite of holy is profane, P-R-O-F-A-N-E. And our nation has turned to its profane people to run it. What a sin that is. We are following unholy people. We are following profane leaders in our churches as well. Leaders who are literally full of pride and ruled by spirits of covetousness and greed. They are ruling our churches and Jesus called it. He said it would happen. Matthew 24, verse 4a, and Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that nobody misleads you. He's talking to the disciples. It may only have been three of them—Peter, John, and Andrew. I'm not quite certain about that. But he's talking to believers. He's talking to members of the future church, and he's saying, "See to it that no man misleads you." Well, you know, Oprah and Biden and uh, other people—they can't mislead me. Only church people can mislead me, because that's who the only people I listen to. And he says, "Be careful. Don't let anyone mislead you." Peter warned us as well in Second Peter two verse two and many shall follow their lascivious doings by reason of whom the way of the truth shall be evil spoken of. And Paul told Timothy in second Timothy three thirteen, but evil people and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So I said all that to understand while that we are supposed to be the church is supposed to be like finger in the dike type of restraining power against evil but we are not supposed to be restraining God's wrath. That's been written. That's going to happen. We have no power to do that anyway, but we should be slowing down the advent of that wrath, but we've been failing in doing our job because we have allowed the profane in our pulpits. We have elected profane leaders. We have rejected holiness in the church leaders, and we're just letting anything go in our churches. And therefore, While the wrath of God is being poured out right now, it says it, for God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Remember, where ungodliness and unrighteousness is, there too you will find the wrath of God. But you're also going to find something else. For where sin abounds, there doth yet grace abound also. God's got a counter to it all. Hallelujah. So, there are no exceptions. Ungodliness and unrighteousness It's all going to reveal the wrath of God. There are no opportunities for ungodliness and unrighteousness to manifest where God doesn't judge it. Whenever God finds ungodliness and unrighteousness, one will also find God's wrath. Uh, This was written in Precept Austin. I neglected to get the name of the author of this comment. God's wrath is his holy hatred of all that is unholy. That's pretty simple. That's why the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. You want to avoid God's wrath? Be holy. God's wrath is his holy hatred of all that is unholy. It is his righteous indignation at everything that is unrighteous. It is the temper of God towards sin. This is all so good. It is not God's uncontrollable rage. It is not his vindictive bitterness or is not his losing of his temper, but the wrath of righteous reason and holy law. That is so good. The wrath of God. God has a right to his wrath. God's wrath is just. It belongs here. It is always preceded by his judgments. People think judgment and wrath don't belong to the New Testament reign of man. Well, that's New Age foolishness. Whether it is to the church for correction or to the sinner as punishment, his judgment must always come. It's a manifestation of the divine love of God. You know, it seems I spend half of my time trying to convince, deceived church people that judgment from God is good. Not only do I have a hard time convincing them that judging from God is good, I have a hard time convincing them that this judgment is from God. God would never do that. No. God's a loving God. God's a nice God. God's this big teddy bear. He's a Christian Santa Claus, 365 a year. No, he is not. Just as much as God loves, get ready, God hates, right? We learn about the fact that God is love. You can see that in Scripture, and we pounce on that all day long in our sermons. God is love. God is love. God is love. Well, guess what? God is also holy, and God has a right to hatred for those things that violate his holiness. How do I know that? He said so. So, it's always a manifestation of the divine love of God, the judgment of God, and the wrath of God. But the good news is, both of those come under the heading of grace. They both happen in the time when God's grace is flooding the earth. Remember, where sin doth abound, there does grace also abound. So, if we would only allow his judgments and recognize they are for our benefit, and then use them, teach the world about them, the church should be doing this, by warning the sinner why these judgments are here and what's coming next, we could avoid much of his wrath and the trouble to us that his wrath will bring. Psalm 9, verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. Okay, so that doesn't debate the fact whether God executes judgments or not. It says he is known by those judgments. So therefore, he does execute judgments, but they have a purpose. The purpose is to reveal who he is. Now, we don't talk about the God of the Old Testament. He's a meanie. We don't want to have anything to do with him. He kills bad people. No, no, we can't have that. So we only focus on the God of the New Testament, and we only focus on grace, and we do away with judgment. All of that is wrong. God is known by the judgment which he executes. Here's the deal. God sends judgments for our sin to correct us. Now, I had an argument with my former brother in a leadership position, and he told me that uh, COVID was the uh, right from the pit of hell. I says, no, COVID is God's design, and it came as judgment to punish us for our sin. He flipped out. He went crazy. No. Uh, well, then this man is missing the opportunity to know God by the way he wishes to be known. Psalm 9, verse 16, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. He's not only known by judgments which he executes, he's also known by his love and his goodness and his grace and his mercy. That's who God is. But you cannot dismiss the side of God that hates sin and judges us to get us back on track to keep us from perishing. Isaiah 26, 9. With my soul have I desired you in the night, O Lord. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Don't forget first judgment, then wrath. Well, here we are with another opportunity to learn what righteous living looks like. But when we dismiss the judgments of God as demonic, we're not learning about God. Therefore, he's putting these judgments in the earth so that we would learn what righteousness looks like, so that the church would speak out, attribute these judgments as corrective measures by God. People would repent, they'd get saved, then we could move forward. But no, deceived saints say, no, these Old Testament verses, they don't apply today. No, they are not just Old Testament verses, dummy. They are biblical truths. They are eternal truths. They are biblical revelations, and they apply everywhere and anywhere to anyone if you struggle here if you're struggling with these truths then you need new teachers you need teachers who are called by god to tell you the truth not teachers who sit in there for pride and to build a brand and to get your money in their pockets they're not there for your good they're building new religions even build a brand for themselves no these are false teachers read the bible look So many Christians don't know God because they refuse to acknowledge his judgments. Therefore, we're heading under wrath. We are under wrath today. And look further. Those judgments have a purpose. They have a purpose to teach the nations. They have a purpose to teach the people. They have a purpose to teach the entire world what righteous living is supposed to look like. Bottom line, when we dismiss or we ignore God's judgments, we dismiss God. And we ignore him, and we miss his lesson, we miss his corrections, and we miss knowing him as we're supposed to be knowing him. You know, how stupid can we get people? Just read the Bible. If people are teaching you stuff that's not in the Bible, get rid of them, walk away from them, and quit sending them your money. Okay, so we've established that God's wrath is operating in the earth today. Now, understand this, and let me give you the verse first. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 For God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you and I, believers, those who have accepted, acknowledged the sacrificial death, what Christ did on the cross for us, those of us who do that, we are no longer the children of wrath. We are now the children of God. Hallelujah. So we are not appointed to wrath. So don't fear wrath, people, because it's not our destiny. The Amplified Version, 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God has not destined us to incur his wrath, that is, he did not select us to condemn us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been selected. We are elected. We are called to salvation. We do not have an appointment with God's wrath. Our appointment is with salvation, Jesus. This salvation, though, it's far from complete. We have only the down payment of it, as it were. We need to quit trying to act like we already have it all. We don't. Some people are acting like we've got all this power, anything Jesus can do, we can do. Uh, That's not true. That's not biblical. One of the biggest problems in the the current church in America is we will not allow God to be God. We won't let him judge. We'll not receive his wrath for our lessons, for our edification, for our benefit. Therefore, we don't judge. God doesn't judge. We don't judge. Also, we don't recognize him anymore because we just read the scripture. He is known by the judgments he executes. Well, if you don't attribute the judgments to the author of them, to God, you're not going to know him. That means he reveals himself to us in his judgments. That's not an Old Testament verse. That's an everlasting spiritual truth. Because we don't know the God of the Bible, we miss so much of what God is doing. We don't know who he is. We have no idea what's going on in the earth. We're making up our own things. We've got our own doctrines going on. If we would spend as much time judging ourselves and judging each other as we do judging God, we would be in much better shape. We won't allow God to hate. Oh, no, God doesn't hate. <sighs> I'll tell you, we have rewritten God. The Bible in Romans 1 talks about the fact that we are worshiping mankind, the creation, more than we are worshiping God, the creator. That's what mankind has devolved into. Self-worship, idolatry. In the last days, men will become lovers of themselves. We won't allow God to hate anymore either. Remember, God's wrath is his holy hatred against all that is unholy or profaned. Understand this. And here's another problem. You know, we don't talk about sin. And you need to talk about sin because it's God's holy hatred against sin. The wrath of God is against all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is sin. The wrath of God is against all ungodliness. Ungodliness is sin. But when we refuse to talk about sin, then we refuse to talk about wrath because God, there's no reason for Him to punish us. Ridiculous. When we don't talk about sin, then we remove the need for a Savior. Why do we need to be saved if we're not sinners, if we're not guilty people? I mean, you just see it. It's line upon line in reverse, precept upon precept in reverse. They are rebuilding the gospel. They are rewriting truth to accommodate us where a man no longer has to answer to a holy God for his unholy lifestyle. Like I said, we won't allow God to hate anymore. Wrath is holy hatred against all that is unholy or profane. I think church leaders spend more time defending Satan's lies than they do in expounding God's truths. Hebrews 1 9. Thou hast loved righteousness, yes, and thou hast hated iniquity. Yes, I used that verse last week. What is the big deal? What is the problem? We know God loves righteousness. What is so wrong with us telling you that He hates iniquity? And therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the need for Christ, talking about Christ's need to come to the earth because, yes, while he loves righteousness, he hates iniquity, and he is going to fix mankind's problem with sin. Here, God is praising Jesus for both his love of righteousness and his hatred of sin. Do you see that? It's our cue as well, but we have so much counterfeited the gospel that we won't even talk about sin. And by the way, it's a very good thing that the true church of God, the real church of God, that we have not been appointed true at, For we are surely deserving of it, considering some of the nonsense that we're allowing in our pulpits. Just another praise the Lord for all of his goodness to us. He's been so lovingly kind to us. Man has turned as much as possible upside down concerning God and the gospel. Paul said we would eventually worship ourselves instead of our creator, and we are living in that day right now. Romans 125, men who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Basically, Paul is saying that in these last days, men would lie about God and they would go ahead and they would begin worshiping themselves instead of worshiping the God that made them. The New Living Translation. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things God made but not the creator himself, who is to be praised forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is reprobate man that Paul is speaking of. Yet these lies of getting into the church. I tell you, one of the biggest lies is it just frosts me, man. The fact that God is not sovereign in the earth today. Oof. I don't want to stand next to you when you're in a church that talks about that. God is not sovereign in the earth today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. Right. The new covenant is not giving you a new God. He's the same God. He's making you a new creature, but God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God's unattractive in the Old Testament because he judges, because he corrects, because he rebukes, because he chastens, because he disciplines, and yes, because he kills. But he said he would. He warns you. You know, he doesn't pop the stuff out of nowhere. He doesn't wake up with a bad hair day and decide that he's going to go ahead and take his anxieties out on mankind. Everything's been written. We focus on the wrong things. We focus on the goodness of God, and we don't realize that there's a bad side of God, which judges our sin. Not bad in the sense of God, bad bad to mankind, thinking that, well, that's not good. Well, of course, judgment is not good. Nobody likes to get judged. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. But that's the loving side of God, because he's sparing you. Because, by the way, if your people aren't telling you that there is an eternal penalty for sin... You're going to wind up in that penalty box, and you're not going to know what hit you. Sinners are going to spend eternity in hell. Christ came to save sinners from their sin because he doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance. So this is reprobate man that Paul is speaking about that basically have changed the truth. He's not addressing the church is doing this, although today the church does do that. But demonic doctrine such that God is not sovereign in the earth today that's dangerous, man. That's demonically dangerous. Why? Because this rejection of the truth about the Lord is what got these folks in trouble in the first place. Remember, the Bible says that God has created mankind with an innate knowledge of who he is, both as creator and as total authority in the earth. God had made man with that knowledge. So man is without excuse. Man is without any outs. He cannot fast talk God. Well, you didn't tell me. Yes, he did. He created us with a knowledge of who he is. But even that's being turned upside down by wicked man because this rejection of the truth about who the Lord is is what got folks in trouble in the first place. And the church, by not combating these lies that the world spouts, we're not actually following in their footsteps. I am no longer at my last church because my pastor started promoting the fact that God is not sovereign in the earth today. That is so ignorant. It's better written here, the truth in for a lie. It's actually written for the lie, the lie that what? That God is not sovereign, that God is not Lord, that Jesus Christ is not Lord. They changed that into a lie that man can be his own God, that we worship man, that man doesn't need God. And that's where we are in America today. We've kicked God out of America. We've resisted him. We've rejected him. And now we're removing him. This is a bad exchange for it results in men denying God's existence and his right to be obeyed and to be glorified. And it turns men into nothing more than just sexually active animals. This alone earns the wrath of God upon the children of wrath. But can you see how closely denying the sovereignty of God fits in, piggybacks on this doctrine? In essence, denying God's sovereignty in the earth today, for whatever good spiritual reason you may think you have, is just like the children of wrath denying God the right to be God. In man's life, somebody has got to be God. And if God isn't, there's only two options left, and neither one holds promise for you. It's either man or Satan. One of those three will be on the throne of your heart, either God, who has a right to be there, or man or Satan. So while Romans 125 is speaking about the children of wrath denying truth and believing lies, the children of God are fast on their heels in this area and closing fast. We must stop these lies coming out of our pulpits and return to speaking the truth. So now, here we are in America facing a wholesale, across the board sinner and saint, a society that is in outright war against God, and a church that can't decide which side it wants to be on. The good news is the true church is not destined for wrath. I read you that earlier. But the bad news is the church is the only way for the sinner to avoid that wrath. So, as a nation, we are most definitely under the judgments and the wrath of God, and by its prolonged failure of the church to preach the true gospel, that wrath is now blossomed into a full-scale abandonment of our nation by our Creator, by God. But never forget Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you, Lord, for you, Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. Currently, we are under the wrath of God. Currently, we are under what's called the wrath of abandonment. Further evidence, God's children here are not subject to that wrath, and I thank God for that reminder. However, while America suffers through God's wrath of abandonment because of our rejection of him and his laws, the true church and the living church, the real people of God, the pillar and the ground of truth, we remain firmly and solidly in the center of his will and completely in his care. And as he says, the Lord, he will not abandon those who seek you. That's us. Yet, unfortunately for us, we happen to live in the land of the enemy. And yes, we will still suffer through many of the judgments that come upon the land because of their sin. But in the end... Those judgments he sends to punish the wicked will only serve to try us and correct us and mold us and grow us. Fear not, saints, the presence of the Lord never, whether it comes in judgment or it comes in correction, whether it comes in mercy or in grace, our God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Yes, our God is a consuming fire. Yes, he is. God's love is just such a consuming fire. It destroys what it cannot purify but it purifies what it cannot destroy. In Christ Jesus, we have a relationship that cannot be stored. Hallelujah. The same fire that rages in uncontrolled fury in hell today is the same fire that purifies gold. We've got to understand God. We've got to know him. The Bible says he is known by the judgments that he executes. We cannot be hiding from the the judgmental side of God. We're heading down the road where Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's coming back to judge us in righteousness. And you don't want to be here when he comes. You want to be safely in the arms of Christ, hidden in Christ in heaven, eternally with him and the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.